All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys. Hey, listen here. On the line, I've got Jaron Kiriakou. He used to be a CIA analyst, and then he became a CIA operations officer guy. And then he went to prison for telling some truth about them torturing people. Yeah. Then uh, he became, you know, one of us. Pretty good anti-war guy. <laughs> And he, he writes articles and he tells the truth about things a lot. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, joining us here. Uh, a good friend of mine told me this morning that he just finished reading your book because I says to him, I'm going to interview John Kiriakou today. Huh. And he says, I just finished reading his book, which is Doing Time Like a Spy, How the CIA Taught Me to Survive and Thrive in Prison, which is also where they locked you. Yeah, they Bastards. did. Who do they yes, think they you did. are? Carter Page? They're just going to stab you in the back like that? <laughs> poor Carter Page. I've talked to him once or twice. I feel sorry for that poor guy. Yeah, boy. Who would ever want to be a CIA asset or agent or officer yeah. Yeah. if they'll just hang you out to dry, especially for doing the right thing? And they do. They do. They just walk away from you, and you're on your own. Now, if you sign up to be a knock, that's one thing. and You know, a non-official cover, you're out there. But otherwise... Don't they give you that same BS like in the army that like, hey, we're family and all of that? Oh, my God. Yes. Like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, hey, we're all in it together. Yeah, it's all nonsense. (laughs) All right. And you got a brand new book coming out. Wait, let's go back in time for a second here. The Convenient Terrorist you wrote with Joseph Hickman, who is a certifiable American hero because even though he was just a guard at Guantanamo, that's not heroic. He told the truth that the CIA murdered some guys down there in 2006, July, if I remember right. Wrote a book all about that and heroically stuck his neck out. And uh, you co-authored a book with him. Not about that. It, that's his other book. I'm sorry. Uh, do you remember his book off the top of your head? Hickman's uh, yeah, it was. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of his second book, which was The Burn Pits. Th- that one you can't put down. I got it. Uh, well, the first one escapes me now. But yeah, he told he told the truth about, you know, the CIA would take these uh, these Al-Qaeda or alleged Al-Qaeda prisoners into an interrogation room. And then by morning, these guys would be dead. And the CIA interrogators would say, oh, you know what? Uh, We just walked out for a minute and they committed suicide. Yeah, seriously. I'm sorry. I have it on my shelf, but my shelves are like two and three rows of books deep sometimes. So I can't always find what the hell I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, and then, so you wrote this book with him about Abu Zubaydah, and then it turns out that the reason that everybody thought all these things that weren't true about Abu Zubaydah was because he had an identical cousin, like that TV show from the 70s? What? It, it's crazy, right? So there were two guys named Abu Zubaydah. God and so it. the CIA didn't know that there were two. And so you look at the CIA file, and you're like, my God, this guy's a terrorist Superman. He's everywhere. He's in Jordan. He's in Montana. He's in North Carolina. He's in Pakistan. He's in Saudi Arabia. Well, it turned out there were two of them. Oh, man. All right. Convenient terrorist. And then before that, the reluctant spy. And this is the memoir about uh, what you're doing, screwing around there, kidnapping 
Al Qaeda yep. dudes and renditioning yep. them off to Bangkok to yep. be tortured, right? Uh, I never said Bangkok. You did. But uh, yeah, pretty much. All right. I'm the one who said Bangkok. And then, so you weren't <laughs> actually brutalizing these dudes, but you were standing there watching them getting brutalized. Is that really right? No. 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 I was the only one who declined the the torture training. I said, this is a torture program. I have a I have an ethical problem with it. I think it's illegal besides being unethical. And uh, I refuse to do it. And so... The, their first response was to pass me over for promotion, but um, but I had kind of a rabbi up on the seventh floor, and he promoted me out of cycle, and then I became the deputy director's executive assistant. So I was able to read all of this compartmented cable traffic that they were sending back from the torture site, all of which turned out to be false. They were just making it up, and we didn't even know that until – 2009 when the CIA inspector general released a declassified report finally saying that all that crap that was coming back from the secret site was just made up. Yeah. Or plagiarized from the FBI. And what? that's really what the truth was. It yeah. was plagiarized. Yes. The FBI was like, here, have some tea and a cigarette. And that was what got him to talk. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I know Gareth wrote most of this, but still, it's great, and it's got a good title. The CIA's in the, the CIA Insider's Guide to the Iran Crisis. This is a Trump-era book, kind of shorthand uh, summary, yep. catch up, everybody, on the uh, policies and all the history surrounding Iranian terrorism, if I remember right, and the nuclear program and uh, all the different controversies surrounding America's relationship with Iran, a great one. But then you got a brand new one here. You can comment about that too. But you have a brand new one here, How to Disappear and Live Off the Grid, a CIA insider's guide. So well, it's give actually, us a comment about Iran and then tell us about your new one here. Sure. Well, the Iran one was kind of fun because I, I got this contract from Skyhorse. They said, hey, can you write a, a book about Iran? And I said, you know, I'm not really an Iran expert. I said, I, I can write about the history of Iran. That, that I know. But let me talk to Gareth Porter because Gareth knows more about Iran than anybody I've ever met. So the funny thing was we start writing this thing and I'm like, Gareth, we have a really short deadline. I said, they have to have the book in, in eight weeks. So I wrote as quickly as I could. And then Gareth just keeps writing and writing and writing and writing. And it's like, Gareth, I was calling him every day. You got to stop writing. But every day there was like an update. Every day Trump would say something or Pompeo would say something. So finally we sent it all in and they ended up cutting out most of my part and they took all of Gareth's part and that's what became the book. Oh, and that's then, too bad because I bet your part was pretty readable too. You know, what the hell? <laughs> I was proud of my part. And then the, these it, – it's actually a, a trilogy of books that I did. This, the CIA Insider's Guide to Disappearing and Living Off the Grid, the CIA Insider's Guide to Lying and Lie Detection, and the CIA Insider's Guide to Surveillance and Surveillance Detection. And they're oh, all what? coming out on May 25th. Oh, all three of them are coming out then. All three oh, of them. I and see then, now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I did one just sort of for myself. I, uh, it's crazy, but I sat down and I just didn't get up from the computer and I wrote this book in six weeks. It's going to come out in the next few months. It's called um, Remains of the Day, The Complete Guide to Washington, D.C.'s Historic Cemeteries. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Something completely different. Just a little side hobby of yours, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's the only place I can find peace is in a cemetery. Yeah. 
Well, listen, I think a lot of people are going to be interested in this living off the grid one and yeah, line and lie detection. That can serve you in personal life and business <laughs> for and, sure. And surveillance and surveillance detection. I mean, you can't uh -huh. imagine how many how many questions I get from people who, you know, think their spouse is cheating on them, want to know how to how to do surveillance and not get caught or vice versa, think that their spouse is having them followed and how can they, you know, become certain that it's happening or it's not happening. So there's actually a market out there. Yeah, very good. Well, I hope you make a bunch of money selling these to people, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's great. So everybody just type in Kiriaku, just like it sounds. Yep. Uh, and uh, put in Amazon with that, and you'll be awash in books to read. <laughs> hmm. Listen, let's talk about the insane Soviet lawless, yes. unbelievable persecution yes. of my good friends and some heroes at consortiumnews.com. Man, yeah. And and not only them, but Mint Press News is getting it. And my guy, yeah. Kyle Anzalone at the Libertarian Institute, got zotzed, as uh, Peter Are Lee, the kidding? China Hand, put it off of Facebook. And I thought things were turning around, John Kiriakou. What the hell? Oh, I'll tell you, it's worse than ever. It's worse than ever The right next now. interview Every is going to be about, well, John, you got kicked off of Amazon.com. Yeah. Now what? Yeah, seriously. That's, what's, that's what the next step is. You know, it, and it's it's uh, 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 Gray Zone uh, has now a red tag from this fascist group called uh, NewsGuard. And, and uh, uh, Consortium News is being threatened with a red tag. Consortium News had its... PayPal account suspended. Garland Nixon, a guy that I work with, who's very outspoken on the left, uh, was thrown off Facebook yesterday for for sharing an article from NBC News because it included a, a photograph of of an Azov Battalion guy wearing a swastika. No way. It's just gone completely out of hand. It's like it's like McCarthyism. Seriously. And look, I mean that guy, and this goes for everybody on Facebook too, but. It's also important that that guy, Garland Nixon, is a leader. He's the kind of guy who says, listen, everybody, here's what's going on. And people listen exactly. to him because he cares and he knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. You just kick right. him off of Facebook. That's not nothing. That's a big damn deal. It is. And for an it NBC really story that was just handed to them by the Pentagon and the CIA. Exactly. It wasn't even you a know, scoop, right? It wasn't like they did so, uh, some good work. It was a press release. Exactly right. And that's what they do. That's what most of these national security uh, correspondents or journalists do. They just take a press release from the CIA and they gist it. You know, uh, there's a there's a guy. Because, uh, by the way, Lewis the NBC story that you're talking about is the one where they're bragging about helping sink a uh, Russian battleship, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, Jason Leopold from BuzzFeed uh, filed a Freedom of Information Act request with the CIA, and he asked for... It was just a blanket request. He asked for all correspondence between the CIA's Office of Public Affairs and um, and all reporters for the last five years. Okay, mm -hmm. they ended up giving it to him. It's thousands and thousands of emails, as you might imagine. And what's in these emails? But um, a back and forth with Ken Delanian, formerly of the Los Angeles Times, the last many years, decade, uh, the chief intelligence correspondent at NBC News and MSNBC. And what was this clown doing? He was writing articles about the CIA 
and sending them to the CIA for approval before sending them to his own editor. That's not journalism. And it's especially not investigative journalism. That's just gisting what the CIA wants you to gist. And what happens if you don't do it? You don't get invited to the Christmas party anymore. So where's the investigative journalism? Who's actually covering the CIA and asking the hard questions? I think the answer is nobody. Nobody's covering the CIA. They all just get captured by their sources with like one or two stories. And now it's like, well, where are you going to get your stories from if not for me, right? Exactly. And and this is a threat that the agency makes. Like, if you don't do what we say, if you don't write white, if you don't write what we say, we'll cut you off and then you get nothing. And because there's no budget for investigative journalism at most of the outlets, you know, with a possible exception of the Post, the Times, the Journal and ProPublica, yep. uh, they just do as they're told. Yep. And then you have places like ConsortiumNews.com, which is mostly original opinion, a little bit of you know, uh, real firsthand journalism, but definitely yeah. an independent take on what the hell is going on around here. Oh, yes. And led by a guy, you know, Joe Loria for years was at the Christian Science Monitor at yes. the Wall Street Journal. He was the UN reporter for the Wall Street Journal for like 10 years or something like right. that. Wrote Times the Sunday of Times of London. Right. You know, so this is a guy who's a real journalist. It has been his entire career by all of their standards. And is now the editor of Robert Perry's site, Perry, who was at AP and the new and Newsweek before he founded Consortium News. Mm-hmm. Um, so these aren't they didn't come from pirate radio like I did. These are <laughs> real ass reporters who then went independent, which is important. And then, but nope, they can just get yeeted, as the kids say these days, right off of the internet. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons, really the reason why I went to Consortium News was because of the respect that I have for uh, for Joe Loria. Uh, you you were exactly right a second ago when you went through his resume. The guy is as serious a journalist as there is anywhere. His whole career attests to that. And because he was, and I knew I knew Bob Perry, you know, before he passed away and and Joe took over. But Bob Perry was just as much a serious. Uh, journalist who broke big stories and and you know he's a Polk Award winner for heaven's sake. I mean he was really one of the major forces behind breaking Iran Contra in the nineteen eighties. Perry was you know, absolutely the Associated he was. Press. And then you know what happens the other day? Uh, PayPal just decides in its infinite wisdom that that Consortium News is somehow duping its its readers and is in violation of the agreement with PayPal. And not only do they permanently shutter Consortium News' PayPal account, but at least for the first few days, they seized the $9,350 that was in the account. And it was only because people like you and me and you know th- those friends of ours in our circle um, – uh, complained and made such a big stink about it that they finally released the money. But but the latest to the story is they're still not reinstating the PayPal account. So consortium's going to have to figure out another way to take donations and to pay its writers. Yeah. Well, look, I know what they say, and we all know it's true. Bitcoin solves this. Yes. And that's what we have to do. I mean, more and more, we have to rely on this kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, the Institute gets a certain amount of its donations and and we save them, too. Unfortunately, it's a very boomy, busty market, more than most. Right. So, you know, that's a turnoff to many, but it, you know, comes down to it. Like, what are you going to do? 
if they can just, I mean, and PayPal is just absolutely essential. I'm afraid to even say how important PayPal is to every organization that I have any affiliation with, including just my own ass. Like, what am I going to do without them? I'm doomed. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, we have to work on this. This is a big deal. And they started with Julian Assange because the State Department lied and said he's breaking the law. Well, he wasn't breaking the law. They just lied. And then PayPal said, well, your word is good enough for me. I don't need a judicial Mm -hmm. judgment and order. Mm -hmm. I'll just Mm -hmm. take the executive branch's word for it and unperson this man. And that was where it started. And now we're all Julian Assange. Well, you are. And I'm afraid I'm next. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Nobody's safe. Nobody. And, you know, ask, ask Max Blumenthal. He'll tell you all about it because he's under the same kind of pressure. And Mint Press News and Jacobin Magazine and, you know, it, it's all of us. They're coming after all of us. Yeah. And look, they did the same thing back in 2016 or 17, I guess it was, with that proper not BS with the Washington yes. Post um, published this list. And it included Antiwar.com and the Ron Paul Institute and the American Conservative Magazine, I think, and Truth Out and Truth Dig. And by the way, those guys, I mean, yeah, they're leftists, but it's not like they're even you know, Trotskyites or whatever, like the World Socialist yeah. website is at least a couple of clicks left of them. Oh, definitely. Like, right? Like Truth Dig, I think you wrote for Truth Dig before. Like Truth Dig, Truth Out, yeah. they're like one click left of the Democratic Party. You know what right. I mean? In a good way. Right. In right. mostly like good way. Just like reader-supported news. You know, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but in other words, though, there's nothing extremely controversial about them there. And then it seemed like they threw in antiwar.com just to prove that they weren't only picking on leftists. So then they're like, oh, oh my yeah, God, we're I thought throwing- exactly the same thing. Yes. Yep. And um, so, yeah. And then the, and Google deranked us. You know, I mean, you think about all the content on antiwar.com going back 25 years. Yeah, we got man. some search terms, but they, you know, deranked, you know, all of what we're doing back then as mm-hmm. much as they could anyway. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's crazy to think that literally the richest man of the world buying Twitter might actually buy us a little bit of breathing space here, John. You know, how, how crazy is that? But I'm I'm one of these people who is is saying, listen, let's let's give Elon Musk a, a chance here, because if he's serious about being um, a, a, a First Amendment purist, okay, that's that's what we want. We want somebody who's going to truly stand up for free speech, even when it's ugly. So let's not judge the guy. Let's give him a shot. Yeah. Hang on just one second. Hey guys, I had some wasps in my house. So I shot them to death with my trusty Bug Assault 3.0 model with the improved salt reservoir and bar safety. I don't have a deal with them, but the show does earn a kickback every time you get a Bug Assault or anything else you buy from Amazon.com by way of the link in the right-hand margin on the front page at scotthorton.org. So keep that in mind. And don't worry about the mess. Your wife will clean it up. Green Mill Supercritical is the award-winning leader in cannabis oil extraction. Their machines are absolute top of the line. They simply work better and accomplish more for less than any competitor in the world. We are talking anywhere from a couple of hundred thousand dollars for the base model and up. So this is for serious business people here. But the price, as they say, will be worth it. Green Mill Supercritical customers' investments pay for themselves oftentimes in just weeks. Simple enough for almost any operator deep enough for master technicians. Their new novel techniques for inline real-time winterization are leaving their competitors in the key. That's greenmillsupercritical.com.
man, I wish I was in school so I could drop out and sign up for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom instead. Tom has done such a great job on putting together a classical curriculum for everyone from junior high schoolers on up through the postgraduate level, and it's all very reasonably priced. Just make sure you click through from the link in the right margin at scotthorton.org. Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. Real history, real economics, real education. That's what I think, too. And, and it is true that he's got government contracts and things. He's not exactly oh, yeah. Jeff Bezos working for the CIA, but he launches satellites into space for him and for the military and things. Like, yes. I don't know. That's, that's pretty compromised. But I guess it just depends on... And you know what? Really, a lot of his you know, auto empire is based on federal kickbacks in the name of environmentalism oh, yeah. and all of that, too. So sure. I don't know how much free reign he really has from the state. Yeah, I wonder. At the end of the Have day. you heard of this this group, uh, NewsGuard? This is going to be the next big problem for us. Yeah, so somebody told me that uh, my site, the uh, Institute, uh, Libertarian Institute site, says it's under review. Oh. So that's where I'm at now. And, I mean, they don't have nothing on me. You know, the most, uh, uh, you know, conspiracist-type stuff... Um, on there is the Oklahoma bombing, but you know what? I'm bulletproof on that, and all of that is, is you know, there's none of this um, Lori Milroy, Judith Miller BS about Saddam mm -hmm. Hussein did it. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's all about the FBI informants who did it, and we can prove it, right? Yeah. It's all government documents. Yeah. It's all right. the, the Oklahoma bombing archive. It's libertarianinstitute.org/okc. It's Secret Service documents, FBI and Justice documents, ATF documents and court records and all these mm -hmm. things and it's not our fault that andre strassmeyer's name comes up over and over again they're the ones <laughs> got to explain that by the way you're a cia uh, guy you ever heard of andre mr executive assistant you ever heard of andre carl strassmeyer <laughs> the german army intelligence officer who helped do the oklahoma bombing all i can say is that one of the holy of holies is sources and methods so i'm not commenting <laughs> Okay, but you could just say no, or you couldn't just say no. Let me. You know okay, what? okay. This is a yes or no question. Could you just say yes or no, uh, or yeah, could you just say no instead of I refuse to answer? Yeah, it's it's safer to say I refuse to answer because then they stay off your case. All right. Hey, I'll tell you something. Else. I want to know whether that's really code for. I yeah, I know who you're talking about, and he did it all right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I know nothing, as Sergeant Schultz once said. All right. Well, I'm being news guarded right now just for bringing this up, I guess. And you know what? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if they want to use that as just a smear campaign about everybody who's not NBC News is right. some kind of fringe lunatic or whatever, then that'll just be a badge of honor anyway. See, but, you know, warning, but, explicit lyrics. Don't listen to this rap album because yeah, they right. talk about boobies in there, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and look at the board of directors of NewsGuard. It's it's uh, Mike Hayden, the former NSA and CIA director and deputy director of uh, national intelligence. Wait, you mean the guy who was the director of NSA on September 10th, 2001, exactly. that guy? Yeah, and he's huh? going to decide what is true and what's not true. Another board member is Tom Ridge. Uh, the first uh, uh, secretary of Homeland Security. Um, it's a bunch of mainstreamers from from the uh, Wall Street Journal. I mean, it's it's everybody who hates alternative media. Yeah, 
Orange and alert. they're the ones that are going to decide in this in this partnership they have with Google if uh, when you Google, you know, the Institute, for example, or Consortium News or Gray Zone, uh, whether you get this red tag in your in your Google feed where it says that it's an unreliable source of news. Yeah. And I don't want the CIA telling me what I can and can't read. You know, I don't know, man. At this point, I wonder if that kind of act of desperation is really only more counterproductive for them and beneficial for us in that explicit lyrics kind well, of way. I, I hope so. And, like, you and, wouldn't be warning me not to read Kiriaku if he wasn't telling me something crazy about how many people the CIA tortured to death or something, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, Well, Max Blumenthal said on the Jimmy Dore show the other day that that he welcomes this red tag, that, that it's his tag of honor. And yeah. if they want to put a red tag on Gray Zone, they're perfectly welcome to do it. See, the problem is, too, is all the consequences for, like, well, PayPal then exactly. is going to turn around and say, well, you got a red flag from NewsGuard, and Patreon is going to say, you got a red flag from NewsGuard. And, yeah. you know, that's where it matters. It's not necessarily with your popular audience, but with your institutional one. Advertisers on your podcast, you know, I just cut a deal with one of these uh, podcasting companies to insert you know, real professional ads into my show. Mm. I don't think they paid me yet, but I could see, you know, a situation like that where they go, well, I don't know. Our lawyer says that this red thing means that you're Russian yeah. disinformation and we're going to get in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, right. Right. You know, uh, speaking of Russian disinformation, Scott, I, I got to tell you, and I make no secret of it, but I, I work for Sputnik radio and, um, when Sputnik first offered me a job back in early 2017, I turned it down. I said, thanks, but I don't think I want to do Russian media, but uh, thanks for thinking of me. And then they called me again like six months later, and they said, we'd really like to uh, offer you your own show. And I said, well, because I, I still didn't have you know, a very good job at the time. I said, well, if, if I take this job, I, I want the freedom to be able to talk about anything that I want to talk about and to criticize anybody that I want to criticize, including Vladimir Putin. And they said, done. And I said, yeah, you put it in writing? He said, done, I'll put it in the contract. And they did, they put it in the contract. And so I can say literally anything I want to say, and I do criticize Vladimir Putin when I feel that he needs to be criticized. So um, I was doing the show, this is about two years ago, and I have a segment, or I had a segment every Thursday called Criminal Injustice, where I had Kevin Gastala, who's a journalist at Shadowproof and does criminal justice issues. Who's and excellent, Paul a Wright, friend of this show and an excellent, excellent journalist. Excellent, a, a great guy, a great friend, and a, and a terrific journalist. And the other uh, regular guest I have or had was Paul Wright, who's the uh, editor and publisher of Prison Legal News and Criminal Legal News magazines. So uh, we talk about, you know, crooked judges and prison conditions and and uh, DAs that ask for more than the minimum or the more than the maximum uh, recommended sentences and, you know, stuff like that. So the Washington Post, it turned out, was listening to the show and uh, they did an article about it. And they said that this was an example of Russian propaganda interfering in the American judicial system, right? Three Americans sitting around and talking about corruption in the judicial system. And sounding just like their man, Balco. 
Exactly. And, and what they said, and this is, I've actually, I've actually made a copy of it to save it as a souvenir. They said that by doing this segment every Thursday, I was weakening our democracy. That's what they said, that I was weakening our democracy by criticizing the judicial system. And then uh, Georgetown University did some kind of academic paper in which they said the same thing, that I was perpetuating Russian stereotypes of the American judicial system by, by criticizing it. Jesus Christ, dude. Now, how do you win you know, against something like that? I mean, the the lack of historical reference there, too, is just spectacular, In right? Where, like, this sounds like the, not just the Birchers, but like the right wing of the Birchers saying Seriously. that anybody who wants civil rights for blacks is an agent of the commies because the commies talk about how blacks are mistreated in America. Exactly. So, if you want to do something about that, then you agree with them. <laughs> and that's all we need to know. <laughs> and yeah, now this like is the liberals now. Nuts. This is the liberals now in America. You yes. gotta love it. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, and, and, and look, when I say their man Balco, he's my guy too, man. I think Ali Balco was absolutely great. And he formerly was at uh, Cato and yeah. Reason and essentially was yeah. promoted up to the post. I guess because... You know, they needed somebody who understands police issues um, yes. on his level. And, you know, I guess from their point of view, he's a right winger, not because he's a libertarian. He's right. not a right winger at all. But no, you know what I mean? Like, uh, no, he's not from their yeah. point of view. He's not a leftist. He's more grounded in constitutional law and this kind of thing, you know, for his yes. his arguments and all that. So he's not a, a leftist crusader, but more of a constitutional type one. Um, but man, he does such great work on exactly what you're talking about there. And he really hell, does. the Washington Post, I think, I won't say they're unparalleled, but they are neck and neck right there with the best projects for keeping track of police violence in America yes, and, they're and the killings ones that of unarmed the people. I mean, this is really their job. Are they just, you know, back to uh, Jason Leopold, right at the time that it was not the Russians who hacked the DNC and gave that stuff to uh, WikiLeaks. But right at the same time, Jason Leopold was getting his giant FOIA release from the State Department. And when you right. think about the most scandalous, some of the most scandalous of the Hillary Clinton emails, they didn't come from WikiLeaks and the DNC. You can find them at WikiLeaks because no. Assange just uh, uh, cataloged them there. But they came from from our guy, Leopold. And, yes. uh, and I'm a personal friend of his. He's a personal friend of mine going back, you know, many Me years. Too. Um, yeah. I'll scold him a little bit because he got a couple things wrong I'm mad about, but not really. But um, he's the one who released all the ones from Sidney Blumenthal advising Hillary Clinton on the Libyan war. Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, he's the one who released a bunch of those came from, in fact, where Sidney Blumenthal is warning her that, hey, our guys are rounding up blacks and murdering them. Look out. And then the war kept going for seven months after that. <laughs> That's kind of that was Jason that did that. So yes. at the same time where this was Vladimir Putin's plot to destroy and disrupt and destabilize our democracy to benefit Donald Trump. Sense. Well, does that apply to Jason from BuzzFeed, Seriously. who's clearly a leftist and or a progressive at least, and and um and clearly is not in the tank for Trump whatsoever, but is just doing his damn job as a journalist, getting FOIA records on the previous Secretary of Defense. I mean, pardon me. On the previous Secretary of State? Exactly. How in the world Jason Leopold has not won a Pulitzer Prize is a mystery to me. 
Yeah. He deserves one. He's got some real good ones. And the more he relies on documents, the better he does, Jason. Oh, yeah. Eh? Because no. you can never question his conclusions. They're always based on documentary evidence. Yeah. And his sources have fun burning him sometimes. I don't think it's fair. He gets jerked around by liars from time to time. Yeah. Um, but uh, he is a good dude. I know him personally, and he yes, is a good is. dude. And, and he does a hell of a lot of great work with those foyers uh, as well. Um, and, and I had forgotten that he was the one who got that dirt on Ken De- Delanian. Delanian. Yes. Ken yeah, Delanian. And people just type in Ken Delanian, even misspell it. Google will help you. Ken Delanian CIA. Uh, it'll come right up because he got criticized widely for this. Like, wow, you yeah. really can't do that, man. Even reporters at the Washington Post and the New York Times were like, Ken, geez. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a little over the top, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So true. Um, Anyways, so um, let's talk about Mint Press News. Yeah. Uh, well, tell me everything you know about them. I know I got a couple of friends there, and in the past, more than that, um, they come and go, but they've done a hell of a lot of great journalism over there. Yes. What's wrong with them? Is there something wrong with them I need to know, John Kiriakou? Oh, my God. You know, uh, Mint Press News is owned by a, a Jordanian-American woman named uh, Minar Adley. I know Minar I've known her for many years, and she's a terrific journalist. And besides being a terrific journalist, she's a good manager. And um, she has put together Mint Press News and made it into a highly respected alternative news site, independent news site. Uh, She's constantly under attack. I'm sure that part of the reason is that she's a practicing Muslim and, uh, and a woman and a progressive, uh, and she's uh, she's pro-Palestinian, as you might imagine. So she gets beaten about the face and head from all different directions. Well, when PayPal went after Consortium News, they also went after Mint Press News and suspended their account as well. When NewsGuard went after Consortium, NewsGuard also went after Mint Press. And, you know, I've got a lot of friends who have cycled through Mint Press. Um, half a dozen or so. And they're all serious journalists. They're all youngish people with degrees in journalism who are out there looking for the big scoop, doing investigative work, and they're not doing it for the money. God knows that. And uh, just because you don't tow the, the DNC line on issues like Ukraine or Israel, then you're not to be taken seriously. And if people continue reading you, then the government or others turn to organizations like PayPal or NewsGuard or Prop or Not to try to shut you down or to steer uh, viewers and clicks away from you. Yeah. This is the the world we live in now. It's outrageous. Yeah. And you know what, too? Because uh, we're stuck with this left-right thing. No matter how bad the liberal Democrats get, all we got's a bunch of damn Republicans. So you know, we so desperately need a viable third party. I, you know, you know me well enough to know that that I campaigned in 12 states with Gary Johnson back in 2016. I thought he would have been a terrific president. And, um, he, you know, he told me something that has really stuck with me. And that is that the libertarians, the libertarians would be so much more popular in so many more states if they had a benefactor. 
if money wasn't an issue, like it's not an issue for the Democrats or Republicans, you know that advertisement that the libertarians always always uh, promote that you know in your heart you know you're a libertarian? That's true. When you give people that questionnaire that's on the Libertarian Party website, everybody comes up as a libertarian because civil rights and civil liberties are important to us. But it's all about the money. And, uh, you know, I get these I get these emails from the Libertarian Party. They crack me up because they're so breathless. They're like, oh, my God, Joe Blow just got elected to the Anchorage, Alaska Water Board. He's a libertarian. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's great. But we need a libertarian in Congress to start guiding people, you know, or to stand up for for what's important to us. And uh, we're just not there. Yeah. Well. As long as you brought it up, I'll go ahead and tell you that right now there's a project on to reform, essentially, the National Libertarian Party. Uh. And there are thousands and thousands of new members, most of them coming in by way of what's called the Mises Caucus. And that's essentially me and my friends. And uh, the thing of it is, is we want to make the Libertarian Party great again. And what we don't have is a billionaire. And you're right, that that sure would help if we had a billionaire. However, I think uh, once the Reno reset is accomplished mm-hmm. in uh, the, at the end of this month, then we're going to have a whole new uh, round of uh, intake of new members and of new donors and of new excitement and essentially uh, you know, having a grand reopening of the Libertarian Party Great. under new management in the name of Ron Paul, in the name of annihilating central banking and war and stuff Great. like that. And that is exactly what we need. So it's on and it's happening. And by the way, if anyone listening to this is a delegate to the national convention and you're part of our Mises group, for the love of God, please show up. Don't not show up. And if you're a delegate to the national convention and you're not on board for this Mises caucus thing, well, I am. And you ought to really consider it. Maybe talk to me when you see me there on Friday and we'll see if we can have a little conversation. I can win you over to our side here because it's on and for a very good cause. And then, you know what? It's true. We used to have Ron and Rand Mm -hmm. had a strategy that included playing this stuff down, especially for the first few years there in a way where it really just, we went from having a national leader to just not having one. And we're really working on that in the form of our uh, next presidential candidate here. But um, the thing of it is, um, you're right that it absolutely is time. And when the libertarians are part of the conversation, yep, we win it. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> we set true. the standard because we're the ones who care most about this stuff and have thought this stuff through in a exactly. way because we don't have any power. We just really think of it in a, a nonpartisan way and just a cause effect solution sort of a way rather than just what the other side is saying about us and reacting that against that and so all that right. stuff, you know? Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. Yeah. Cause the other side isn't saying anything about us, right? <laughs> we're not even, that's so we're just like, Hmm, how can we really solve the problem of drug abuse or mm-hmm. uh, whatever mm-hmm. it is? Our foreign not, entanglements. Well, what's, what's Mitch McConnell going to say if I say this? Yeah. Or what's Schumer going to do if I propose this amendment? Yeah, you know, bad. You don't get that at all. And I understand how Rand was going to the Senate and had to find a balance, but I, I don't think he found a very sure. good balance. Although he, he does seem to be getting his footing more and more recently. 
So I uh, hope so. I he's been particularly good the last couple of months. I think. Yeah, uh, that's true. So especially, yeah, especially uh, you know on an emotional issue like what's going on with Russia, where he's willing yes. to say, "Man, why didn't you just take NATO membership off the table? Come on, exactly and things like that." He knows that he's getting himself in hot water, but he doesn't seem to give a damn. So well, I'll you know, definitely give him credit for that. He said that. He said that what a, a couple of weeks ago, and MSNBC and CNN immediately jumped on him that he's a Putin apologist and he doesn't understand the suffering of the Ukrainian people. And then a few days ago, the Pope said exactly the same words. Right. It's like you're going to call the Pope a Russian apologist now, yeah. or are you going to give this a serious analytic look? Well, at the Daily Beast, they called him a conspiracy theorist, and everywhere else, oh, I think they I mostly just ignored it. Right. Oh, my God. I saw somebody joking on Twitter that, oh, look, see, the Pope listens to the Scott Horton show. <laughs> just because, which is oh, uh, really God. obviously just a reference to, you can't find this point of view very many places. <laughs> Not that it's wrong, but, you know. Wow. All right. Well, so listen, I hope that uh, you guys get back personed again or, you know, figure out how to get back on some sort of whatever the closest substitute to PayPal is other than Bitcoin and get that going and let us know too, man, make sure to tag me in tweets about it and whatever. And uh, I'll try to promote whatever alternatives you guys come up with. Fantastic. We'll blog about Thank it at antiwar.com and things like that. Appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, Thanks Hey, you guys much. do great work over there. We're all counting on you. And you do too. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, take care, John. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take care. Right, Bye-bye. So the Scott Horton show and anti-war radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.